Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello, podcasters and streamers around the world. Welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast, coming from beautiful, sunny Dublin. Well, outside it's beautiful. This studio is, quite frankly, sweaty and disgusting. <laughs> Murph is just back from holidays looking pink and healthy, and he's still got his Bermuda shorts on. Cowabunga, Kieran. Uh, and to you too, Mark. Ken is to my left wearing a 100% Jesus headband protecting his forehead from those dangerous Irish sun rays, Ken. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling pretty Christian today. It's second captain's producer Mark Horgan in for own today. McDevitt is the best man in the stag this weekend in Valencia. He'll, it'll be just like the hangover, but with Irish bars and pitch and put. <laughs> it'll actually just be mostly pitch and put. Uh, I think Owen felt that uh, he could have gone for golf, but just organisationally, you know, it would have taken up a lot of time. You know, people would have different standards. They would have enjoyed the golf, you know, to varying degrees. So he just felt for me... <laughs> But just pitch and put was uh, pitch and put's the classier sport anyway. Now yes, every time I'm presenting when Owens on holidays, we do tend to make jokes about him being in some sort of Irish pub abroad, scratch row tools, or Cullen McNasties, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. But this weekend he will actually be in one, one of those hot spots as Ireland take on Scotland on Saturday. He'll have to watch it, and I've checked up where he and his thirty staggers oh, will potentially go, Murph. Okay, my, go on. My go money's on, on St Patrick's Irish pub on Gran Via <laughs> del Marquez. <laughs> St. Patrick Grand Viet, sounds good That's Saint, big St. Patrick renowned for his love of alcohol of course, of course. Did Avo- you drive all the alcohol? No, that was, no. <laughs> Valencia podcast listeners avoid that at all costs at please all costs. do yourselves a favour Sorry, hold on was there only, is there only one Irish bar in where that, is he again? Valencia? Yeah, there's, Just one, there's a Finnegan's it? as well, but that's not that's not okay. as funny. Well, if you go into if you go into that Irish bar, you'll <laughs> see one hairy man sitting very close to the television screen trying to hear the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else will be getting into the spirit of things. There'll be, command, be... commando pitch and football scattered all over the floor <laughs> of the bar. Uh, Ken, you're a cultured man of great intellect. I imagine stags aren't generally your thing, but if Owen and Murph were organising stags in the same weekend, whose would you go to? Ah, that's an excellent question. Come on, Ken, you know who's... Uh, party, the party guy over here. Come on, I, McDevitt's McDevitt's in Valencia. He's already organised that. Murph's more of a core town sort of guy. Well, it would be it would be a second one in your case as well, wouldn't it? So, well, I'd, it's, I'd it's probably not, have to make it. No, 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 no. I'd be he, like, he, look, no, if it was the first time around, I'd go, I'd go with your one. But no, he's the best second. man. He's the best man. He's not. He's not the the sta- Oh, they're both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. they're both organising it. I, to be honest, I probably wouldn't go on either one. <laughs> I thought. I thought for a second I had to go because it was their one, but no. I definitely wouldn't go to either one. I just. Oh, it's uh, good as well that he. You felt you had to go to my stack because uh, I thought you were there because you wanted to be there. Yeah. But no, it turns out you just. Were well, there I did. I did. I did. Ha- I did want to, but I also had to. You'd hate both of them equally, then, is what you're saying. I just. I'd probably try and do my own thing that weekend. Thanks for entering into the spirit of things so fully, Ken. We I reckon that. this guy loves a good stag. FIFA made a movie recently. Did uh, they? John Delaney could run anything. They did. They did. About themselves. Yeah, about themselves. God, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Zach Blatter. Yeah, that is, that's incredible, but the real movie's on its way. Yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that. No, no, don't forget that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment. 
defeat and embarrassment to himself. And I, and I said it to him across the table, just like I'm talking to you. We don't want to explain it. He said, no one speaks to me like that. And you said? And I said, well, I do. And that was it. We don't want to explain it. And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here to tell you, just stared at her for seven or eight seconds. And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, yeah. and there were some expletive views, we came to an agreement. It's a very good agreement for FBI, and you've used a bigger there. Well done to you. Yes, it's Ireland's football Robin Hood there, John Delaney. He <laughs> takes five million from the rich in FIFA to give our, to our poor little FAI. And Ken, yeah. he will not now go before the Iraqis, I hear. No, uh, uh, no, apparently he. Well, I, I mean, I don't know who to believe here. There's a bunch of stories that John Delaney called up some people who are on the community to say, hey, listen, there's no need for me to come in. And they said, oh, okay, that sounds all right to us. Um, that he was concerned it might be a distraction ahead of the match. Yeah, uh, the, big, which the big game, he, of course. He wants to avoid that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he will eventually end up uh, end up coming in and sharing uh, sharing some information with them. I mean, why wouldn't he? You know, we all want to we all want to know what's the happening money's there. in the FBI. The money's there. The money went into the uh, went into the Aviva account. You know, not, no one was ever really, I think, wondering where the money went. It was more the question of. Should we have taken the money in the first place that turned out to have become a kind of a live issue? Uh, it wasn't considered at the time, but only later on when the rest of the world found out about it, we were like, oh, actually, maybe that deal was a little... Hmm. Yeah, okay. it, yeah, it's a weird thing that, you know, you kind of, your government basically rings you and says, I think you should come in and, and Well, did they, did they ring him to well, say Well, I mean, it, well, the idea is, I suppose, that he's going to come in and talk, but you can just ring them and say, ah... Do you know, I've already said this in the papers. Yeah. You know, like, why would I waste your time much. by coming in again? It's like, oh, okay, fair. We'll see how it all unfolds. I hear Lance Armstrong's been chiming in on this uh, FIFA debate. Well, Lance Armstrong has been doing, uh, well, has done an interview with The Times. Uh, there's a couple of Lance Armstrong-related things that have happened today. First of all, this new movie has released its trailer, The Program, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, Chris O'Dowd plays uh, David Walsh. Um, Todd from Breaking Bad plays... Floyd Landis and Lance Armstrong was played by somebody who I don't recognise. Do you recognise that guy? No, I, 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 judging by the trailer, I think it might be the debut of the uh, Actotron Three Thousand. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I but I, if if that is the case, it's a stunning breakthrough in. Uh, in uh, robotics and the rock playing Paul Kimmage was a surprise <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, that's a head turner that's a head turner but it's Hollywood you know suspension of disbelief um, Lance I don't know if he's involved in that production um, but uh, he does he does it talk about it would be quite funny if he's the executive producer of film uh, <laughs> that way I mean that Coin, takes just coins that. it in yeah the, the, the trailer shows you know David Walsh sitting with this face of disbelief as uh, around him these you know all the Muppets in the press room are uh, jumping up and down celebrating uh, Lance's win and he's kind of looking at it he's no you know I'm not sure about this so uh, that's uh, that's what's going on with that. But Lance has given a, an interview to the Times because he's doing a, a little charity bike ride with Jeff Thomas. You know Jeff Thomas, the former England player, yeah, uh, yeah, and also like Armstrong, a cancer survivor, uh, and since then has been uh, doing a lot of uh, fundraising for cancer and recycling. Contacted Armstrong, asked him to do this charity bike ride in France, doing a couple of Tour de France stages. Lance Armstrong eventually said okay, but not everyone is happy about it because uh, oh, Lance Armstrong once again still leaves the name of the Tour de France to try and make himself look good. Oh, you know, um, so he's done an interview to try and explain himself a little bit, which obviously he he never is able to do because always the real Lance shines through. Uh, one thing that is exercising at the moment is this FIFA thing, which everyone's getting excited about, and he's kind of like. This FIFA thing is not a big deal. He says, um, uh, my my thing, much bigger, massive. <laughs> I mean, nobody in the world thinks that guy is a really good guy. Bladder, he's, he means. But for 15 years, everybody in the world thought Lance Armstrong was a really good guy. That cancer guy, he's our guy. So it's bigger even than FIFA. Wow, that's what's boosting his ego now. Yeah, The he, best scandal ever. Yeah, it, The idea that FIFA could could knock him off the top of that uh, list actually just fires as a competitive Wait a second, range. I'm the biggest scumbag of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. But in, in this... This uh, interview, it's interesting actually. I mean, he, uh, at one point, uh, uh, Matt Dickinson, who's a sports writer for the Times, refers to ignominy doesn't look too tough as he pulls another bottle of expensive wine from the cellar. He also mentions uh, he's a lifestyle most of envy, yet you do not have to scratch too far below the surface or see him down several afternoon beers to notice that his toxic status eats away at him. The photo shows Lance Armstrong and Jeff Thomas walking around outside Armstrong's mansion. And Armstrong is definitely holding a glass of red wine as well. So, look, all I'm saying is, what's in the paper? That's all I'm saying. 
Okay, we'll talk a lot about Ireland Scotland's second captain's football, which has also been released today. And Ken, the big question is. Will the Irish people survive the heartache of not having John Giles in the panel this Saturday? Front page of yesterday's Star screamed, RT axe Giles. The Evening Herald said, RT say no to Giles. In the Star, sources said the other analysts were deeply upset at the news Richie Sadler was in and Giles was out. In the Herald, sources also said that Giles would have worked for free. And those sources also said that the public have already been left saddened by the death of anchor Bill O'Hurley and want to see the regular presenting team on their screens, which was, I think was particularly tasteless. The Star have also started a campaign to get Giles back for the Scotland game. And in case you didn't know, Dumphy writes for the Star and John Giles happens to write for the Herald. The thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Murph, but has John not been off the panel lots of times? Uh, for the corresponding fixture in Glasgow last November, yeah. the panel was exactly what the panel is uh, this week, which is uh, Eamon, Liam and Richie. So it's very, very strange indeed that this is suddenly the hottest of hot topics in uh, Ireland at the moment. Uh, very, very odd indeed. Yeah, we're big fans of the lads. We had a TV slot in their honour, for God's sake, but it seems like rotation happens in these panels. It's been happening in rugby panels for quite a long time. It isn't anything new that this is happening. And it kind of seems that there's a bit of a concerted effort out there to try and spin a story to get the public on side, yeah. which is kind of disrespectful to Richie Sadler, I think. Yeah, more well, more than a little, to be honest. Um, and again, it's it's I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, if if uh, if this has been happening for the last twelve months, then why wouldn't it continue to happen? It's only it mm. it, it it would beggar belief them to stop doing it now. So they have four very good panelists. They rotate the panelists, and nothing has changed this week from what the what it had pertained over the previous eight or nine months. Right. Very, very odd. Right, we'll catch up with US Murph a little later and we're going to delve into our virtual mail satchel. But the best analysts in the business, Sushi McConville and Anthony Moyles are in studio. How are you, lads? Right, Mark, how's things? All good, good, Mark. Good, thanks. Uh, speaking of decent tans, Murph, I've noticed mm. that Ushie McConville has an unbelievable farmer's tan. Yeah, I know. It's Well, it, it, that's not today Forgot the fact of 50 yesterday? Cour- courtesy of Carton House yesterday. Oh, very good. Golfing? Yeah, well, looking for balls, really. <laughs> <laughs> Caddy in there. Driving off and looking for balls. Yeah. <laughs> Had the diving gear down in the ponds down there, lot. Murphy, the football championship becomes properly interesting this weekend. A lot of people's counties out for the first time. Teams on the way up, like my beloved Royals. Yeah. Teams on the way even further down, arguably like your own Galway. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, uh, Bit of championship banter yeah, there fine. to start. Yeah, I like it. Uh, uh, who's in action this weekend? <laughs> okay, Armagh study goal, uh, 2pm Sunday. Actually, Leash Kildare is the first game of the weekend on Saturday evening. At 7 o'clock, that's the replay. And then Armagh, Donegal at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Westmead against Wexford, Mead against Wicklow, Tip against Kerry, Cork against Clare. And then the big one, Goal against Mayo, 4pm Sunday afternoon, Salt Hill. So yeah, loads of good games actually on this weekend. So it's Mayo's first really big test in their new life after James Horan, lads. Um, Pat Holmes and Noel Kennelly, they had a pretty poor league campaign. Just on new managers coming in, Moylesy, you came in during Boylan's time. Mead had a pretty awful time trying to replace him. What can sometimes make a new manager so disruptive to a team, in your experience? Um... Disruptive. Well, I had five actually, uh, which was pretty unbelievable considering That's a record. Sean. Yeah, yeah, it has to be, considering he was there in situ for twenty odd years. Um, I suppose players can have a uh, have a bit of a have a, a major question and a kind of a major influence on it, Mark, to a certain degree. Um, you know, if players don't gel with a new management team, um, if a new management team comes in and tries to completely change the dressing room, you know, get rid of older guys, um, you know, bring in a lot of new guys, that can have an influence. Probably, it depends on where a team are. I think in their you know, their involvement. Um, so, like, when Eamon O'Brien came in, or even when Coyler came in, for example, no one obviously wanted to go up against Sean, right? So when Sean stepped down, Eamon Barry stepped into the breach pretty quickly. He got a year. And then it was kind of open to, say, some of the former players. So Coyler got the next one. Um, and that was pretty successful enough. We got to an All-Ireland semi-final. Um, but looking at Mayo... Um, I think, th- and we spoke about this before here, they were coming in, obviously, you know, under Horn. Horn had done a remarkable job, had been within a whisker of winning an All-Ireland, you would say. So <clears throat> the two boys really, I felt, needed to kind of probably shake things up a good bit in the sense of unearth a couple of new players. That was key, number one. Um, and I think a few things went against them with injuries and stuff like that, but they, they needed to do that. And you would hope, come Sunday, that they have done that because... Although the players that are there are tried, tested and are excellent players for them, um, you're still kind of coming up with the same, the same kind of 
you know, one to 15 and the same kind of four to five subs, you know, and it's just another year on the clock and it's just another psychological kind of thing of the sense of we nearly got there again. The Gavin Duffy thing was interesting last year, if you think of it, Horn. Mm. It was nearly a sideshow. It wasn't, it wasn't that Gavin Duffy was never going to play. It was just a thing of here's a new guy coming into the panel with different ideas who might actually talk to fellas who will bring a kind of a different air around training. Um, I think the boys... The proof will be in the pudding, obviously, this weekend. But I think, as a new management team, you either have to shake it up, or you go with what you have and you try to instill a new kind of air of confidence about it. And I would have felt if they were going with what they have, which is what they've done, they needed to take that league by storm and mm. potentially win that league, um, get some silverware, get the confidence back up. But they had a kind of an inept enough league, and now they're facing into a Galway team who are on the flip side of the coin, who have a new management team in and who are full of confidence. You know, we can all picture in ways Pat Holmes and Noel Kenny walking into that Mayo dressing room for the very first time. They got the job under a little bit of a cloud. I mean, there were questions asked about the exact selection process that they went through. Kevin McStay was at one stage deemed the unbackable favourite to get the job. Turns out the two guys get the job. Uh, It was obviously some of the players weren't maybe all that happy with the two of them getting the job in the first place. They walk into that dressing room and it, it, it wasn't a case, I would say, of everyone in the dressing room standing up and applauding them. It was like, right, guys, you know, come on and convince us that you, you that you know that you actually have the ability to manage the second or third best team in the country over the last four years. That's what we are. Yeah. I, you know, what are you two guys? We're the we're just about the most consistent team in Ireland. Daryl O'Shea yeah. said, wrote that in the Times yesterday. We were the most consistent team in Ireland over the last four or five years. Like it's it's a different thing, even from the boiling thing, say where mm. you know it it had kind of run its course. The male players, nothing would have made them happier than for James Horn to sign on for another year. So in that context, what you were talking about there, either a good league or a load of new players, you know, nothing has happened for Mayo. That's kind of the really worrying thing, that neither of those things have happened. They've kind of, they're kind of trucking along, trucking along, and it's gotten to the stage where, like the last time this fixture happened, you know, Goldie suffered a historically bad yeah. defeat, like the worst day in Goldie football in probably 30 or 40 years, like 16, 17 point defeat to Mayo mm. at home. The, you know, now you're looking at this game nearly being a 50-50. I mean, it's not a 50-50. Mayo are a much better team than Goldie, but a lot of people are looking at it thinking, Goldie have a huge chance of winning this game. One of the first things players will do to a new management is test them out and see how far they can push them. And if, if, if you don't nip that in the bud straight away, then they will continue to push them. And there's a lot of players I play with in dressing rooms, whether it be with Arma or even with the club team, who wanted to manage before they actually could manage. Mm. You know, they wanted to have uh, control over a lot of the things that was happening, uh, training-wise, in the dressing room, what team was being picked. And they'll have that influence. And they mightn't have it directly, but they can have it indirectly, and they can influence other players. And uh, that's some of the rumours that I have heard that are coming out of Mayo that there is certain players who who want to have more of an influence who are not happy with the regime, blah blah blah. But uh, the one thing is that Mayo have much better players than than Galway. They're a much better unit than Galway. Even if they're only playing from memory at the weekend, they'll still beat mm. Galway quite convincingly in my in in my opinion. But uh, it's up to Galway to step up. Shane Walsh not playing is an absolutely massive blow for, for Galway. I mean, he looks like a player who, who was going to kick on and, and I suppose be a bit of a leader even for them, you know, this year. But the very fact that he's not playing just makes it ten times worse from a, from a Galway point of view. I don't think Galway have any chances again, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, if, you're, if, if you're asking someone from Galway about the foreign player for Galway over the last six months, it, it's not Shane Walsh. It's actually this guy, Damien Comer, who... People are really looking forward to seeing. Yeah. I know he's been earmarked by a lot of people as a possible uh, breakout star in the championship this year. And he's very much in the old style of a full forward, big, bustling character. He got a great goal in the under-21 yeah. final two years ago. That's maybe where people might have seen him first. But he's already gotten a couple of goals in the championship this year. He's got great pace about him. Got uh, he's, a, he's a guy who, when he gets the ball, will ask a question of a defender, Absolutely. which is you know something you really, really... A, a straight a direct runner that is hugely important in the game as it's being played at the moment and he's a guy that uh, I hope people will enjoy watching on Sunday and he's also a guy that is a more natural leader actually than Shane Walsh mm. even from a personality point of view he's a, mu- he's a much stronger figure a much more vocal much more um, just 
just a, a, a more natural leader. All Shane Walsh is a brilliant player, but sometimes he's kind of, you know, he's playing on his own. You know, yeah. there's, there's 14 other guys running around in maroon, and they're kind of waiting that for is that it, With the likes of Shane Walsh, it gives a defence something else to keep an eye out for. Whose yeah. goal we're going to replace Shane Walsh with? And they'll probably replace him with, with a very good, capable footballer, but somebody who is going to do what most half-forwards in the country are doing at the minute, and that is working her ass off for the team, getting in, getting a bit of break ball, able to, you know, to get a lot of tackles in, all that sort of thing. That's not exciting. You know, yeah. that's not good. That's not going to get you over the lane against me over the weekend. No, but I think sometimes this can galvanise. It, it, can, it can work both ways. And actually, it could galvanise Galway. Like, I, I think the Shane Walsh, from a, from a from an individual point of view of, say, a spectator looking at a lad who's a serious ball player and who can do things, but he's not a... He's not a Paul Flynn. He's not a grafter. He's not a man who will really, as as Murph says, he's not going to really inspire that team. He's a guy. If you know, if you're, if you, if you need a score, if you're a couple of points up, I think he'll get it for you. He will cause problems, but I think Galway have enough of them. You know, they do have, as as Murph points out, like the midfield for Galway is a massive, massive play. I think the centre half back to six is a problem because it has been a problem for the last number of years. Defence wise, they need to tighten up, um, and if they can win their fair share of ball around the middle of the field, which I think they will do, like this is the time for those two boys. They've they've came on the scene Flint last year. Hurrying, yeah. yeah, they need to just step it up now because they were given a lesson a few years ago against the likes of the O'Shea's and the boys because that's where Mayo's major strength is. Those big men around that diamond is just enormous. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily and also even the psychological thing of okay Walsh is gone we all now have to carry a bit of extra load you know because sometimes players especially half forwards can and forwards sometimes you can look at a fellow like Walsh and say well he'll do it for us you know he will get that score he's not there anymore now so you know it's a point of everyone as I say has to maybe share the load and try to chip in with scores have they got enough I still don't think they will but I think it'll be a lot closer than a 16 point hammer at the same time, is there, have we not got room for Alexa Walsh in the game? Like, you know, what I mean, if we're all going to be Paul Flynn's, I mean, I, if, if Dublin was made up of all Paul Flynn's, I don't think Dublin, unless you've got a bit of an edge, Connolly's got a bit of an edge, Brogan's got a bit of an edge, Dean Rock's got a bit of an edge, McManaman, he's different. You know, I think it's very much same same. I watched it with Armagh for years over the last four or five years that. We had a lot of players who were capable of playing midfield for their club, mm. so they were half forwards when it came to county. Same, same. No scoring threat. I mean, very, very easy. Mark Jamie Clark, and, you, and you've 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 successfully. Uh, that's what I think at the weekend. I think there's going to be a lot more uh, stuff coming Comer's way that maybe he wasn't expected. That Shane Walsh could have deflected a little bit of that. Mm. And one of them, all it takes is for one of them to kick one eight one nine, and then go. You know, have a real chance of winning the game, but. I think without him, I think he's. I think he's a bigger miss than the boys are, are, are alluding to. If the situation is as you described it in the Mayo dressing room, or is it, as it's rumored to be in the Mayo dressing room, would you be fearful that if they do happen to lose this game against Galway on Sunday, that the wheels could come off the the wagon? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think that's that's quite possible. But I still think that they'll win at the weekend, so I don't think we'll be talking about that. And I think the other thing is that uh, for a new manager. Miles made the point a couple of months ago that they should go out and win the league, and I totally agree. I was in total agreement with that. I think a con a title doesn't mean a lot to them, but it'll mean a lot to that management team. And whatever they're trying to sell them in that dressing room, if they can get over the lane and con it, it's a bit easier sell then as you go towards the, the quarterfinals. They'll probably pick up a half decent quarterfinal. Again, we're talking about a team who's going to be in the last four, so they're not re- they're not a team that's going anywhere going anywhere quick. They're not going away, but I don't know if they have that. Yeah. We bit of extra. We we said earlier about them trying to find that extra one or two players to get them over the line. They really need to find an absolute gem of a forward, and as, as so far they haven't done that. The funny thing is, a loss could actually work for them later on. You know, in the sense of going back to where they are, where's Holmes and where's Canelli? Is one being good cop, bad cop? Because you go into that dressing room as we just alluded to. Um, if you go, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you go in and you just be, you know, dicto- dic- dictatorial, and you're saying, right, this is the way we're going to do it. Don't mind, Horan is gone. You boys better pay up. I want everyone down here training. Lads who are training, living in Dublin, working in Dublin. I want you down. And if you don't come down, you're finished. This kind of an attitude. Or you come in, you kind of maybe cozy up to the kind of older lads. Try to be friends. Try to bring them along and hope that they'll. 
you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if you get bet, either way is going to be looked at, well, that was the problem there. You know, oh, Kennelly was too close to the lads. Mm. Holmes was too nice to the older mm. lads. But a loss could mean that now you go, right, well, then that's it, lads. You know, this is what we have been doing and you boys have been testing me. Now it just shows you we're now back at ground zero. Mm. We've tried it and now we're doing it my way. So you don't know. You don't know the, 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 the power shift. And as, as Ushin says, that's what it is. It's a power shift massively in a dressing room. And when a manager loses a dressing room unbeknownst to himself, that's it. It's all over. Season is finished. Um, like I remember one particular year, I won't name the manager, but we had meetings on our own out on the pitch away from the manager and said, look, lads, we're doing this for ourselves. And of course, we were doing it for ourselves, but it literally was, it was us against them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that year obviously ended in, in, in not a very good year. So it, it's a dressing room needs to be held together. But strangely enough, if they do lose this, um, they could come back even stronger later on in the year. Armad Donegal, huge game on Sunday at 2pm. Have you been getting the lowdown from McGinney? Absolutely, he's, he can't. He's an open book, you know. He's an open book. Yeah, he's all about the info. It's good uh, to see with the inside track here. <laughs> Actually, it's okay. Moilesy's Facebook friends are Trevor Giles. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, there's been very little, uh, very little word from from the Armagh camp. They had a press conference at seven a.m. on Bank Holiday uh, Monday morning. So I don't know how many journalists were at that, but I know there's only a couple of players at it. But Look at Arma have have been that way now for a couple of years. They're not that media friendly or whatever way mm. you want to put it. People in Arma don't really care if we can pull off a win at the weekend. Arma have something that a lot of other teams, especially from what I've seen in Ulster so far, don't have, and that is, I think, eventually six threatening forwards. We've got a couple of young lads coming up who hopefully can set the world alight at the weekend. There's a young lad, Kieran O'Hanlon, who can be whatever he wants to be in the game. He's as good as Shane Walsh. He's as good as all those young players. He's as good as Paul Murphy from Kerry. He's as good as all those young lads who have come through the system this past couple of years. He's got two great feet. He's strong. Um, he can be a real advantage because what are Donegal going to come and do to Armagh? They're going to close down Clark. Mm. You know, they're going to cut off the supply completely to Clark. And where do we go after that? Normally what we've done in the past is we've just kept kicking the ball down his throat and hoping that he's going to come off and beat three players and stick one in the top corner of the net. Uh, but we've got more threats now. you know. And I think Kieran O'Hanlon, Andrew Morning, who's playing a full forward in the league final, it's going to be a step off from him. And that's the thing that I'm afraid of is that you know Donegal have been playing at a different level than Armagh. Armagh have been playing Division Three football. We've okay. We played in Division Three final against Fermanagh. I watched Fermanagh against Antrim. They basically struggled to beat what what was more or less a pub team. And I suppose when you look at Armagh now, you wonder, even though their preparation is the fifteen against fifteen games, or they played Cork in a recent challenge match, um, you know. But how good is that team when you go into Alex against Alex mm. Donegal? Because I watched Donegal and Tyrone. Uh, in the first round of the championship, and those teams were playing at a different level than anything else I've seen in the championship so far. And it's a small, tight pitch, and Donegal are a lot more physically strong than that's what, it, than though, isn't it? Are. I know. I heard you discussing McGinney trying to play down Donegal's lack of physicality or Donegal's physicality yeah. last week. A real, real bunch of wieners, all right. <laughs> but yeah. is is that it? A, basically, a step too far physically. I think so. If it comes down to that, I think so. Uh, you watch Morphy. Uh, when I say physical, physical in the right areas, mm. like in the mid, in that midfield sector, and if you want to play Murphy at the edge of the square, you can put it, put the ball into him. Charlie Vern has done a good job on him in in, in the past, but you you wonder you're not going to get Murphy's number all the time. He was actually quiet enough the last day against Tyrone, Tyrone absolutely torching him, but he still come up and kicked three vital frees at the end. He's such a leader, it's it's scary. He's the only player at this moment in time that I see out there who can actually physically, by himself, gab, grab a game with a scruff of the neck and get his team over the That's lane. exactly what he did against Armagh yeah. last year in the quarterfinal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, could, yeah. I, I yeah. can't remember, in ways, a more blatant example yeah. of a guy saying, right, well, things aren't going well for me personally, aren't going well for the team but just give me five minutes here and I'll win this game and then we can move on and I, that's exactly what Murphy did yeah. now the, the one thing I would say actually and it's it's quite similar it, I think my mindset is quite similar to your mindset yeah. going into the games this weekend in that Galway appear to be going broadly in the right direction Arma definitely going in the right direction uh, generally a positivity around the team and the game this weekend 
is just again just a step too far yeah. for the team at, at, at this at a, moment. At this moment in yeah. time, even if they'd got to a provincial final and had a couple of games, if Gold had played Roscommon this weekend and maybe gotten over Roscommon and got Mayo, if Armagh had you know Monaghan yeah. this weekend and Guillaume under the belt, yeah, I mean you kind of think that maybe. There, you'd be able to make a much stronger argument yeah. for Golden Armagh in those respective games than you're actually able to make this this weekend. Like the focus that they have on this game and the focus McGinney has on this game is scary. Like, you know, they have put everything, and I mean everything, into this game, and they will they will be so well prepared it'll be scary. But Donegal are are Donegal. They just they're just so they're so tough to break down on a continual basis, and. The thing is that they have so many players who just continuously come up, punch holes in you. Like some Madlin, like when he mm. when he goes, he goes. Mm. He's not like like I watched Down and Derry at the weekend. Down got to a point in the field and they'd start this lateral fist passing across the field. Donegal don't do that. They just go bang straight through the middle of you. And it might be Madlin this time, it might be Lacey the next time, it might be McHugh the next time. You know, and that's sort of what that's what they do on a continuous basis. And now that what they've what Rory Gallagher's done is he's come in, he's changed nothing mm. apart from the fact he's played McBrady in alongside Murphy or whoever it is, and McFadden has come out the field and that's given him a new lease of life. Mm. You know, and he's just basically swapped roles and it's I have to say it's worked really well. And Donegal, even though he won by three points the last day and probably were clinging on a little bit at the end, that game will have brought them on so much and to me, like they're at the moment they're the top, one of the top three teams in the country. Yeah, the elephant in the room, I suppose, when you're talking about what Rory Gallagher, the challenge Rory Gallagher had compared to the challenge that the two Mayo guys had, is that Donegal know exactly what it takes. There's no question in Donegal players' minds about okay, what should we be doing here? You know, like what works what for us? You know, player, yeah. like they have the medal, so mm. and they've they've worked under Jim uh, Jim against, and the same way that Rory Gallagher did. So they all know what works for them. They all know exactly. So what Rory Gallagher had to do basically was just come in and say, listen, nothing is going to change here except just natural progression from... From players. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. How players progress. If there's something external that changes that means what we did over the last four years won't work, then we'll have to change it. Mm. But for now, you know what it takes. You beat the dubs last August. Mm. You know, in like one of the great uh, shocks of the last 10 years. Mm. So we don't have to change anything. So it's, it's a weird thing in that Mayo and Donegal had the same challenge, but Donegal it seems just so much more natural for for what for Donegal. And as 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 Ushin says, I mean, I don't think anyone has them outside the top three teams in the country no. now. Well, it's seamless as well because the, the the management situation was seamless. You know, Gallagher was there; he was he had a massive role. I think people probably, you know, maybe underestimate the role he had in the McGuinness era. You know, you even watch some of the I watched him on the sidelines. Yeah, and it was those two oh, guys constantly massively. talking to each other non-stop for the two. Well, the huddle as well. Yeah. Even prior, like I mean, I know that's a small thing, but a huddle is a very important part as regards. This is the last time I get to speak to this team, and, and Gallagher used to take them more times than not. You know, he'd be in the middle of the players. I think the the, the one thing about Donegal is they don't get bet easily. Like I mean, no team is going to turn them over. Like I mean, if Armagh win this game, they'll win it by a point or two. That is it. So it's a war. It's going to be a war of attrition. Tyrone did show they love a good war too. They love a good war. <laughs> love a good war of attrition. But Tyrone did show uh, the goal that Tyrone got was was a little symptomatic if, if McGinney wants to look at something of how you can actually expose Donegal by pulling them in you you bring them in, you pull that defence back out and then you look to get in over the top of them, OK? Um, because if you remember that goal, it was kind of like, whoa, who's picking him up? And if you watch it, it was a very simple move where... Um, who got the goal again? McCurry, McCurry had the Curry free short. Got free. He, get, he gave a free short out around the halfway line. The ball got picked up and the whole Donegal defence formed as in they always do of, OK, we're going to stop this coming down the middle. But he just trotted around the back of everyone. And then the ball got transferred across him and he was free and he got a goal. But the point I make there is, is that Donegal have a massive focus on keeping that semicircle around what we call the D. Keep that with a lot of bodies in there so no one gets in and gets free shots. If you want to take pot shots from 40, 50 yards, go ahead because laws of average, you will not get them, okay? But no one is going to get in here handy. But the fact of the matter is is that if you can pull your full forward line out, you will expose a little bit of room. I think McGinney will have Clark as a complete foil on Sunday. He'll, he'll put him in there. He'll put the two Gallagher's in on him. 
um, he'll, he'll, he'll make sure that he pulls out the two McGee, should I say. He'll pull them left and right, but I don't think he'll use them as much as you know people expect him to use them because he has to have something new. Clark is... Donegal will focus on him, but I think Armagh have good, strong runners. They've athletic lads, good, strong runners, and there is a little bit of, 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 of a chance there for them. I really so, think Sounds like Jimmy Clark is going to have just a whale of a time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The two McGee. Surely Wood would be enough to be going Oh my God. Both of you sound like you think it's going to be a close game, but still the Donegal are going to come out. I now. just think they have Either. the nuance. They just, they just look... They're, they're not as Murph says top three for, for no reason they're there because of the fact that in those certain moments they still have like the, the last year the quarter final as Murph said I was in at that game and Murphy just said even though he was having a mare himself and yeah. he kicked some they kicked bad wides I remember they kicked some terrible wides just before and he said right okay look I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this tired. home like about halfway through the second half Arma had yeah. Donegal exactly where they wanted him and had Murphy exactly yeah. where they wanted him and he still managed it. And like that's that's why you'll always back Donegal yeah. in this game because they have Murphy. Machine. Yeah, and a rejuvenated McBrady as well. I think he's he's yeah. a big, and big a, yeah, a big, big year ahead of him. Yeah. Um like we've been I've been harsh on McFadden the last week, but I have to say against Tyrone. Yeah. He took it on, he took hits, he put went a shift out. in. Yeah. He put a big, big shift in, you know, and that's where you want him because he's getting involved and he can take a bit of abuse and he can take a bit of pressure off McBrady inside. I, look, I'm happy with Arma, where Arma are at at the minute. I just think we've probably come up a little bit shabby, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll have an OK year. Like. Tipperary are in the same sort of bracket as Galway and Arma, as in their underdogs. Yeah. Uh, they're an improving team, really good under-21 um, side, runners-up in the All-Ireland, but really only paying lip service to them if we think they're going to give Kerry any kind of tight contest, really, aren't we? They'll they'll pull it up to Kerry for a while, fifty minutes or whatever, and I think Kerry's just Kerry's class will 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 see them home. I would have loved to see the other the draw being the other way around. I would have loved Tip to see Cork. Tipperary yeah. play Cork because I think uh, Tipperary would have beaten Cork. Uh, I don't think Clare. I think they've you know we talk about Podge Collins gone, big miss, uh, a few other players missing. Mm. So uh, that's a game that that Cork should win now. Um, but Kerry, like look. look way too strong for Tipperary I think Tip will get a lot closer than people think I really do they've no fear a lot of these lads have played these boys no fear no fear to carry <laughs> but a lot of these lads have played carry all the way through underage and if you're winning under 14 under 16 minor championships you get this thing of you're looking at the Kerry jersey and it doesn't really hold the same way if you're a 28 29 year old looking mm. at the Kerry jersey it just has it has an impact um, Kerry are always perennially slow starters in the championship they have a lot of injuries some fellas coming back, new fellas coming in. I think it could be a lot closer. As Ush says, I would have loved to see it against Cork. I think Kerry will win the game, but I think it could be a massive yeah. step for Tip. Stephen O'Brien's in the papers today having said, uh, saying that he's never lost to Kerry. Now, he hasn't played Kerry in senior championship, <laughs> senior obviously, but all the way through his career, he's yet to lose to Kerry. Count. It counts for something. I mean, I don't think it'll count for much, to be honest, at five o'clock on, on, on Sunday afternoon. But I will be very, I think a lot of people will be very interested to see just how close Tip gets. Yeah. See, the thing about Kerry is that if we want to win all Ireland in five games, you know, so whoever plays well this weekend will probably be playing the Munster final. Are they going to be the Slodge come all Ireland quarter final? Mm. It's, it's, it's go time for, for, for the Kerry boys now, yeah. right from this weekend. So whoever does well this weekend is probably going to get a, get a place Jersey. again. Yeah. yeah. It's part of my contract in doing the show today. Moisey, that I get to ask one Meath question. They're playing against Wicklow. Uh, in he Navin. wouldn't come in otherwise, you know. I mean, Meath, obviously, big favourites. Now, I'm not saying you're a boastful man, Anthony, but I imagine <laughs> you and the Meath teams you're on would have been pretty confident going into these types of first-round championship games. But is there actually quite a big fear attached to them? Because if you do go out and you do happen to lose, you're going to be remembered for a very, very long time. <laughs> there is a big fear, yeah. There's a massive fear. Because... Whether you win it by 20 points or you, you just scrape over it or you lose it, it's, it's one of those after it was just Wicklow, you know, so um, there is, but you just have to be professional about it. Plenty of injuries, but at the same time, I think they're being a bit overblown. Uh, there was two or three of those injuries which he would not have expected to have. Anyway, Mick Adad, I think Mead will have enough. I think Wicklow are uh, showing absolutely nothing. I think they only won one game against Leitrim in the league. I would expect me to win it at a canter um, and they really should at home. Um, if they don't, they will be under. Like I mean, I just face in here again. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it won't be good if they don't, because younger guys take it on in Navin. Should be a nice evening and get ready, hopefully for potentially Westmead. Yeah, speaking of ultra confidence, Murph, 
Second Cabins are taking part in a charity football tournament for World Refugee Day on June 21st. There'll be a few teams from Direct Provision Centres, Department of Justice Team, Foreign Affairs, Senate Team, RT Newsroom. It's all about taking part, right? No. No, it's all no, about it's winning. Wrong. We're right. winning this tournament. Richie Sally up front. Cakes and nets. Have you have you called Shane Curran? No, Richie not Shalo, yet. Wow. No. <laughs> up front. <laughs> we'll we'll get to you in a couple. Don't worry. D- David O'Doherty, our very own Pirlo, a yeah. bigger arse Pirlo, but yeah, uh, still Pirlo, Pirlo nonetheless. Yeah. We were concerned about asking McConville here in case his soccer skills didn't match his GA skills, but I believe he's your concerns when you yeah, call him. So I, I I dropped him a text. Right, I said uh, we're playing this uh, tournament. Right, you know, I, it might not be your thing, you know, but if you're interested, you know, how are your soccer skills? Right, he sent me back a one word text message. It just said exceptional. I didn't, get, I didn't even get a text. <laughs> <laughs> it was just between it was between you and Ken early. We yeah. just think Ken no oh, more okay. of a target man up front for us as well. So. Yeah, yeah, just more physical presence, you know. Oshin, what, what are you going to bring to the second captain's team? Well, one, one, we're going to play ultra defensive. I'm going to play up front of my own, <laughs> and I want no support. <laughs> so. Balls just give the me the, the ball. Turn yes. around and just wait to defend the the the, the, yeah, the restart. Oshin, Natty, thanks so much. Cheers. Turn with the kick out. The 42 year old goalkeeper. Turn it out from goal. Here he comes. He tucked it. He fought it. He's 50 yards out from goal. What a day for us coming. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. When the real dude gonna hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Bam. 1944 is the last time a senior tiger come out of here. And the one, 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 one with the last one. Bam. So watch out, Department of Justice team. We're coming for you. Will Richie last the seven minutes aside, Murph? That's the rather tasteless <laughs> question. I think uh, I think that what we need to do is just maximise Richie's minutes on the pitch. So I, I would foresee Richie's goals per minute ratio to be pretty much one-to-one. That's what we're looking for. So if we can get him on the pitch for three and a half minutes a game, I want three and a half goals. That's Rich- basically what I'm talking about here. Richie was in studio for today's football show along with who else, Ken Early? That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm, walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six oh, exactly. and a half good years. Later. I'd say it to you, face, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shiny man? <laughs> Along with Graham Hunter, Mark, whose uh, recent podcast interview with Gordon Strachan actually provided a lot of uh, the basis for our conversation. <laughs> we were just cannibalising cannibalizing Graham's podcast. <laughs> Uh, so having talked to Richie about... Um, it's a very good podcast, by the way. Very good. Uh, yeah, something that in. Gordon Strachan said in that, we then decided, well, why don't we just get the, the big man on the phone himself live from Paris, not live, recorded from Paris. So we're playing the entire Gordon Strachan podcast by Graham Hunter. Is that what's we, no? we played a small clip of, oh, okay. of Graham Hunter's uh, podcast and we've talked a little bit about it, both with Graham and with Richie. Oh, very good. And, and we talked about a lot of other things too. Yeah. should probably outline, uh, just to our concerned listeners, after last uh, Monday's football show podcast, Emmett Malone is safe and well. There were a lot of concern that his head <laughs> might have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> so full of passion was he about John Delaney. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he, we can confirm he is. Yes, he is alive and well. There's blood coming from his ear still, Murph. So it was we've, the stress we've, he was put under. We've staunched the flow of blood from his ears. I, th- I think we're fine. But he will be covering the match on Saturday's game for the Irish Times. Of course, it's time to hear from scum around the world right now. I've got a call here. That says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God, that's just. I just wow. mentioned not you, no me. Okay, ain't nobody with my clip. We don't normally clip, broadcast clip, all the, the stuff clip, that comes from scum. Clip. Around the country. Ain't nobody fresher than my mama. Click, 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 click. I still think that's my favourite soundbite, Murph. Yeah, it's it's good. The delivery was from back is good. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, welcome to Second Captain's Virtual Mail Satchel. Today's scumbag is Adrian Neary. Thanks for getting in touch, Adrian. Uh, hi, guys. Long time listener, first time, dot, 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 etc. is what he said. Oh, God. Okay, go on. Yeah. <laughs> bad start, though. Can I just say, really bad start. <laughs> After okay. spending the last two weeks on holidays in China, last Sunday night I was having the standard pre-work horrors. On managing to get to sleep, instead of the standard everything is wrong and everyone hates me at work dreams, I found myself sitting my leave insert. How very topical, I thought. I wonder what paper I'm about to fail. I flipped it over to discover I was sitting the second captain's exam, which included a crude drawing of Messi and a question which asked me to prepare a match report in the style of Ken Early, among other unremembered questions. 
Not sure what the moral of the story is, but I'd appreciate if you could let me know whether I passed or not. Kind regards, Adrian Neary. Ken, did Adrian pass? And can you give us a little more detail on the questions, please? That is, uh, that's pretty weird, isn't it? That yeah. is weird. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, leaving cert second captain's exam. Schrodinger's cat's got to be in there. Yeah. Murph, you looked after a foundation paper. <laughs> Complete the following. You can laugh. No, I'd, I did the, uh, I, I would do the oral tape but no one would be able to understand my accent. That would be the nightmare element of the leaving cert. Colour in the strong of Willie Joe Padden. Yeah. What, <laughs> what could John Delaney run? <laughs> Check the following boxes or none of the above. Yeah. Listen, did Adrian pass or not? I imagine he probably did. Is there any way to fail? I think he, I think he did. I mean, that's just the way it's gone these days in schools anyway. It's all political, isn't it? They don't want people failing for political reasons. I'd say he probably got a you know, C2 or C3 at the, at the minimum. He's just, they're just shutting them through these days. It's like yeah. cattle. You're giving out about C2s and C3s. Ah, the old C3s. Yeah, tell you. The, the C3 was a kind friend to me, Ken, when yeah, I was doing my leaving, sir. It's a safe house, Ken, a safe house. Let's get to US Murph. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. He's out on his feet. Frank Capitino's going to let him keep going. Got it! Brian Murphy, how are you doing this week? Mark, what a pleasure to talk to you, man. I'm glad that you, uh, you know, you, you dispose of those uh, other ne'er-do-wells. The dead weight. And, uh, it's just just you and me, buddy. Let's do this thing. Listen, I haven't spoken to you since our trip over, actually. I regretted not making it into the KMBR studios for Ona Murph's big appearance. How did the Bay Area listeners react to hearing two Irish voices on their morning radio show? Were they confused or well, did you notice a huge spike, huge spike in listeners uh, that particular morning? <laughs> the McDevitt effect. So here I am after praising you for getting rid of those ne'er-do-wells. i got to come in right back and knock you now for not having <laughs> the wherewithal to dig deep like a LeBron James or a Matthew Della Vadova and overcome the hangover and come on in. Those boys did. i got to give it up for Kieran and Owen. There's a, a reason why they are the legends they are because I know everybody was hurting after the big night at Foley's, the big mm. podcast, uh, the big live audience, but only two answered the bell. And that was Kieran and Owen, and their their uh, efforts were rewarded mightily in a shower of affection and positivity from the KMBR listeners, who, by the way, I might add, Mark, were, were clamoring for more and wondering if we could make it a semi-regular hit. Well, listen, I was going to uh, say that. You're, yeah. fu- you're full of praise, but they're still waiting on the weekly Irish sports slot invite, the Shillelagh <laughs> Hour with Murph and McDevitt. <laughs> The U.S. I'm U.S. Murph. He'd be Irish Murph. Yeah. Well, Owen's Owen's appearance remains legendary with that the gas station purchase of the uh, Splash Brothers T-shirt, <laughs> that one that was made in Malaysia for like forty cents, and then uh, and then the scarf, the the very Euro scarf of the Giants, uh, which I guess isn't that Euro if you could buy one here in, in California, but not not a soul I know wears one other than uh, you know attractive mom, suburban moms who go to games. But Owen brought that Euro flavor with the scarf and, uh, and really just put people on, uh, on notice well, maybe, that he was legit. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe the scarf is the reason why he was recognised after the radio show as well. Because you know a couple of taxi drivers and a couple of people at AT&T Park recognised the lad's voices afterwards? Boys, that's a combination of the influence of the second captains and the influence of the Murph and Max show. Yeah, the two <laughs> titans collided to create ripples all over the... Uh, you thought the movie San Andreas was a, uh, a, a, an earthquake film. There was nothing like the Tembler we created when the, when we joined forces, the second captains, the Murph and Max. So, Listen, yeah, the ad- definitely the scarf helped, yes. Yeah, the adoration of those fans, we just got a taste of the celebrity life of Brian Murphy in San Francisco. That's what it was. <laughs> for, for a few short minutes, we got a taste of celebrity life. Well, once again, Owen went deep, and he went over to that Warrior game that night while the mm. rest of you guys napped and... And, uh, had a couple pints and just kind of packed it in. This guy was digging deep, man. He's like, uh, like I said, he's like a LeBron James playing 50 minutes or something, going going all the way. So well received. We're still buzzing. Great visit. We uh, it was too 
it was legendary, really, is what it was. Your visit was, I mean, the fact that you guys got on the bird, uh, courtesy of Aer Lingus, don't you know, and uh, and zipped over here and actually touched down, and we had a ball. It was just uh, beyond legendary, and, uh, and I'm stoked we can recount it a little bit. Yeah, it was amazing. Let's make it an annual trip, I say. But uh, let's talk about the Warriors, because it's our first time chatting since the start of the NBA Finals. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers against the second captains endorsed Golden State Warriors, of course. It's 2-1. Uh, 2-1 now to the Cavs after Tuesday night. Is your love affair with Steph Curry wavering slightly? I tell you what, Mark, we are, it, it, it's, it's come to Jesus time. It has come <laughs> to Jesus time. I mean, it is a, the Warriors for the, well, I say for the first time, really literally for the second time in the playoffs, are, are, are staggering a little bit. They've been dealt a blow. And now this happened against the Memphis Grizzlies. They were down two games to one. We thought maybe that Memphis had figured them out with their big bruising uh, Mark Gasol and, and Zach Randolph and that the, the Charles Barkley criticism of the Warriors, that they're not tough enough and not strong enough and that they're too much uh, of a jump-shooting team, uh, that the, after Memphis had them down 2-1, to one, we thought maybe Barkley's right. And then the Warriors won the next three games, dumped Memphis in six, and then took care of the Houston Rockets in five, and then won game one, albeit in overtime, against LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and the Cavs. So at that point in time, if we were doing this podcast after game one, you'd be hearing me going on and on about the Warriors. Mm. Three wins from a championship. Steph Curry and Steve Kerr having their arrival. Uh, LeBron and the Cavs being good but not good enough. And especially with Kyrie Irving, one of the best players in the entire NBA, fracturing his kneecap in the overtime of game one. I am telling you, if we had done this thing the morning after game one, it would have been a lock that the Golden State Warriors were going to win the NBA championship for the first time in 40 years, and LeBron's miracle run to to bring a championship to Cleveland would fall short, and he would have to gather up and try again next year. However, we are not doing this podcast after game one. We're doing it after game three, and everything has changed. And two reasons why LeBron James is putting in a legendary legendary performance through three games, averaging over 40 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists. I mean, staggering numbers by LeBron and playing huge minutes like the physical stamina that he's undergoing and which, you know, we'll see how it affects in the next four games. And the other thing is this little guard at Australia named Matthew Delavadova, AKA Delhi has messed with Steph Curry, our NBA MVP, who is now finding out that it is seriously heavyweight title title fight time and he's going to have to figure something out play at a level that he's yet to play because right now delhi little delhi at a little tiny saint mary's college here in moraga california you guys could have seen saint mary's when you were here it's just over the hill in oakland it's a little tiny catholic school that produces little tiny decent basketball players that may barely make a dent in the nba and this guy is rocking steph curry's world harassing him relentlessly on defense, and the Warriors are shrinking in the moment the last two games. So we are at gut check time, guys. Uh, Mark, we call it the intestinal fortitude check, right? And so this is where we're at right now. LeBron two wins away from a legendary championship for Cleveland. The Warriors trying to search to find their 67 win. We're the best team in the NBA mojo. Phenomenal series so far. We had a great chat in the live show. Actually, we just touched on it in San Francisco when we talked a bit about LeBron and Cleveland, how he's come back to save the city, promised to help the economy, up the mood, bring some success. But what's made this so interesting now, and maybe this is Delavadova's type of character who's you know helping him along the way, but it seems like he's almost doing it all alone. 40 points again on Tuesday, like you mentioned. Um, talk to us not about how good LeBron has been, but basically on paper, how bad the rest of his teammates seem to be. They're reportedly yeah, some yeah. of the worst ever to make the NBA Finals. Yeah, you're all over it. I mean, you're right. That's definitely a huge, huge part of this story. Is that it's, I mean, my, Michael Jordan won his titles. He had Scottie Pippen with him. Kobe mm. Bryant won his titles. And he had Shaquille O'Neal during the first three. And then he had uh, Pau Gasol during the next two. Well, LeBron James has nothing of the sort. He is walking out there, and I could tell you the other four starters right now, and you wouldn't know any of them. Matthew Delavadova being one, now you know him because of what he's done the last two games. Iman Shumpert being another, Tristan Thompson being another, and Timofey Mozgov, a Russian, being another. 
these guys, not nary an all-star in the bunch, not even close to being an all-star, not even a person who's even considered being an all-star. These are all anonymous guys. Now, that's not to say that Cleveland deliberately assembled a poor roster. It's to say that they have been racked with tragic injuries. And I mentioned Kyrie Irving, who is a phenomenal player and who in game one gave Steph Curry all he could handle. But he tragically has had knee problems all year, and then the knee gave way in game one, fractured kneecap. And the other big guy, Kevin Love, the big star, the big, uh, the big get when they traded for him to come play with LeBron, the guy who can shoot the three, make beautiful outlet passes, rebound, just such a force on the NBA court, an all-star. He uh, got his so- shoulder dislocated by the Boston Celtics' uh, Kelly Olenek in what some saw as a dirty play in the first round of the playoffs. So this is a roster missing, you know, they assembled three stars, three all-stars. Two of them are gone. So LeBron is essentially going it alone, which is adding to, I keep using that word, legendary. And when you get into legends, you just don't have guys being one-man shows winning NBA finals, which is why I, I want to emphasize that it's only two, two games to one right now, and he yeah. may not win an NBA final. I mean, the Warriors could win game four Thursday night, and that could change everything. And the Warriors have yet to find their shooting rhythm. They could do it at any time, and all of a sudden it would be 2-2, and the next two of the next three games in Oakland, and LeBron would be getting more tired, and maybe little Matthew Dellavedova, Dilly would be running out of his pixie dust, and all of a sudden the Cavs could come crashing back to earth. But right now the analogies are being drawn to other teams in American sports history who've done it with no roster whatsoever. And you have to go to baseball. The 1988 Los Angeles Dodgers were considered one of the worst teams ever to win a World Series, but they had a pitcher named Oral Hershiser who was unbelievable. And he was Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, and he did everything, and da-da-da. And he basically willed Los Angeles to that World Series. And some people are even saying it's not unlike my beloved San Francisco Giants, or should I say Simon Hicks' beloved San Francisco (laughs) Giants, when last year Madison Bumgarner basically was a one-man show, and he won Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. So we're looking at that kind of performance, you know, like one of these these milestone, they'll talk about it forever type of things if LeBron does it. Whether you want to call him Madison Bumgarner or Oral Hershiser, I don't know. But every other NBA team that's won a title, Larry Bird had Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. You know, uh, Magic Johnson at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy. I mean, these are major, major, major Hall of Fame names. LeBron James is the only Hall of Famer on the court right now in a Cleveland jersey. And like I said, he's the only thing remotely resembling an all-star in a Cleveland jersey. So right now, this is stunning stuff, and it's adding to, when you add in the Cleveland story, 51 years without a title, and his double-back return of the prodigal son, you know, after making his, uh, his mistake, making amends, Many people are saying he's two wins away from one of the greatest stories in U.S. sports history. Does it actually say something about LeBron as well, that he's able to play with these guys that are, are quite substandard to him? There was, you know, obviously this comparison's constantly made between LeBron and Michael Jordan, and they're, they're obviously will in the run-up to the remainder of these games as well. But I noticed that uh, one of the pundits mentioned that the only difference between LeBron and Jordan is that Jordan would have killed J.R. Smith in the court in game two because he was so bad, <laughs> J.R. Smith being one yeah. of the teammates um, of LeBron. But it kind of shows a, a side to LeBron that he's, he's kind of able to and content to play with these guys. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, uh, it's all part of this legend here. That is kind of in, in the, the, the Jordan comparisons are running amok right now because mm. we haven't really seen a one-man show like this since uh, Jordan, although as I've noted, you know, multiple times here that he had also Scottie Pippen and, and some other stars, uh, at least one other Hall of Famer on his team. But the difference is, just as you said, how they go about delivering their medicine. Jordan was the ultimate warrior competitor, literally fought with teammates in practice. And LeBron's been trying to go about this thing a whole different way. He's kind of like almost the new era of, I, I mean, I know some would say that uh, much of American culture has grown softer and less less intense, less gladiator-like, less capitalist cutthroat mm. in some ways. We're raising our kids now to be super soft and give, give them all trophies in every sport they do. LeBron's kind of emblematic of that. He wants to be loved. LeBron's, uh, LeBron, Kobe Bryant didn't care if he's loved or not. Michael Jordan didn't care if he was loved or not. Magic Johnson was easy to love just because that's who he was. He didn't even have to try. Larry Bird did not care if he was loved or not. But LeBron, I think, if you put him on the psychologist's couch, is kind of a needy guy. 
He's kind of a new age American emo male who wants to be, <laughs> who wants affection. And so part of that's been the knock on him is where is the killer instinct? Why are you trying to be like, you know, all things to all people and also worry about your image so much, which leads to a lot of accusations of being phony too. You know, he's so image conscious and, and maybe ultimately a little too into himself, but also that he doesn't, you know, demand enough out of his teammates that he doesn't carry them on his shoulders or make them climb on his shoulders. But that's what he's doing right now. Uh, I'd say he's doing a, a brilliant combination of being a bloodthirsty and, and going out there and getting it done in a, in a Michael Jordan type of way on the court and B being a great teammate at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's like, he's like this, it's almost like a contradiction in terms to be like a sort of a selfish bloodthirsty killer. And at the same time, bring your teammates along for the ride. It's almost like this incredible dance that he's doing. He's making Delhi believe he's making Iman Shumpert and Tristan Thompson believe he's, he's not, he's, he's being able to be dominant and selfish while at the same time being a team guy. And he is right now weaving this tapestry that believe me, he loves, I mean, he is so it, ultimately you get back to too the fact that he loves, you know, being told how great he is. So it's two more, two more wins and, People won't stop telling him how great he is, but he does deserve the credit for, for, for combining those two seemingly disparate skills. It is sort of a, a LeBron we've never seen before, Mark. Finally, Brian, you predicted the Golden State Warriors would coast it before the series began. Is that bold confidence still there? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm watching the games and I'm seeing guys shrinking in the moment a little bit. I'm seeing Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and especially three guys who aren't as famous, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, and Andrew Bogut, are not playing the way they played all year. And this is what it's so fascinating about sport is that you see guys play differently under pressure. Everything isn't a saber it isn't it isn't analytics, it isn't data, it isn't saber metrics. It's still human theater, and it's still how people handle pressure. And it's kind of amazing to see. There's no there's no sabermetric, there's no analytic, there's no data for, for how you how much guts you have. For Matthew Delavadova diving for that loose ball at a key moment in the game. For Matthew Delavadova driving the lane, getting fouled by Curry and tossing in an amazing bank shot to put the team to turn a one point lead into a four point lead. These are the kind of things that are so fascinating and still why we sort of watch sports and, and, and resonate with sports is to see how these people perform on the, on the greatest stages and those who don't perform. And right now, those guys I was so confident in, Steph Curry mm-hmm. and the crew, are not performing. And that includes the coach, Steve Kerr. But, but, it's only two to one, and I'm thinking that they really have a chance to still show that great depth to their roster, the great talent of a Steph Curry. It's that, it's like I said at the start, it's the come-to-Jesus moment, and we'll see Mark, if they come to Jesus. That's the fun of it. Okay, you can watch Game 4 tonight if you're listening to us on Thursday. Brian, just come to me whenever you want to get that shillelagh hour with Kieran Murphy and McDevitt uh, going on KMBR. <laughs> I'm the middle man. I'll lead my cut. Hey, man. Those are the guys. You know what they say? Woody Allen said 70% of life is showing up. Those guys showed up. I'm still waiting for you to show up, Mark. <laughs> then we'll get the shillelagh hour going, all right? Thanks a million, Brian. All right, Mark. Take, take care. All the best. Flame hair, flame hair, flame throw, truth, Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Every so often I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, Owen. Yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Murph, I'm interested in this phenomenon of players who dominate teams almost single-handedly, mm. who lead teams almost alone like LeBron does for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I kind of think this is something that happens generally in teenage teams when one yeah. one boy has gone through puberty sooner than the others. Yeah. And there's this amazing midfielder who wins game under 14 games single-handedly yeah. and everyone else is small and kind of shit in comparison. The, uh, I, I love that the, the... I mean, I don't maybe maybe it's changed. Maybe kids demand more of their experience of Gaelic football now than they mm. did when me and you were lacing up our boots. But certainly and I remember... And of course Ken. Well, not really. 
but I mean, the, there is obviously a big thing there where like the biggest guy plays at midfield and he's you kick all the kickouts to him. Yeah. And then if he's if he's good or if he's a very kind-hearted young boy, he might try and play a one-two, you know, get someone else involved. But otherwise, it's basically catch the ball, run 40 yards, kick the ball either wide over the bar. Or if it opens up, you know, aim for, take it a little closer, aim for the crossbar and mm. hope the goalie's too short to reach up there. <laughs> so, I mean, I, like, it's, it is. It's, I, there is an element of enjoyment there, I'm sure, for the person. I'm sure LeBron is enjoying himself during the NBA Finals. But there's also, you know, a little bit of pressure there. You know, there's a little bit of... You know, and it's quite well, repetitive he's, as he's well. He's going to enjoy it beyond belief if they win the the NBA playoffs. Obviously, he's going to yeah. be the ultimate legend. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you'd like a dig at. You know, just mm-hmm. the odd time you'd like just to be able to say, you know, I'm going to sit this one out, are guys. You, it's on you. In Gaelic senior Gaelic football terms, are we talking Declan Brown and Tipperary? Is that the type of thing we're looking well, at here? Well, that's probably the it's probably the go to. But I, mean, I I I think further back, you know, to my own childhood, Willie Joe Padden. Mm-hmm. From for me, I mean, Willie Joe was he was both the best player, but he was also the spiritual heartbeat. You know, he was the best-looking man on the team, um, the most muscular. Best moustache. Best moustache, best mullet. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. To, I mean, that's a whole county, basically, depending on you for your Certainly the, the luster of your moustache. The most viciously broken nose as well. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. There, probably, <laughs> there were probably one or two good contenders in that particular category in that mail. So team. three Willie Joe Padden mentions in one single podcast. That must be a record, Murphy. Okay, fair enough. I'm not counting. Uh, uh, thanks so much for never listening. Enough, if you ask me. As always, to the Irish Times Second Captain's podcast. Owen will be back next week. Get on to secondcaptains.com and follow us on Twitter at Second Captain. Second Captain's football with Ken, Murph and Richie, amongst others, is available now. So get out there and download it and stream it. And if you like it, please recommend it to your friends, pass it on, etc. We're going to play out in honour of the man who composed the Sunday game theme tune, amongst others. Uh, 80 million records sold worldwide by James Lasmurf. 80 million's not bad. This is James uh, Lass and his song, what, Ken? Uh, Jaeger Latin. And he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. a humorous competition. I saw that. Important man for my selection. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.